The Dawa loser. Transports loser. NASDAQ loser. A lot of losing going on, but a lot of winning going on. We'll get into it. We'll talk gold. The week of excitement that really wasn't. We'll talk MA in the space. The 10 years gone wild. Cops are staying wild, selling fentanyl and being oath keepers and all sorts of bizarro madness. The Fed keeps lying, rent keeps going up. Austin, Texas is redirecting 911 calls to 311. And the debt ceiling, lots to get to. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 137 of Bizarro World. It's earlier in the week. I thought it appropriate we record today on Thursday as I'll be out tomorrow. And it's the end of the month. So you all will listen on Monday. This is being recorded on Thursday. Nick? First and foremost, how are you, sir? I'm feeling blessed to make it through another sell-off in the stock market. Gerardo, how are you? I am well. Thank you for asking. The Dow dropped 500 points to close the quarter, to close the month. It's the worst month since March of 2020, Mr. Hodge. (laughs) That didn't get you in a... uh, in a, in, in, a, in a pinch there, you weren't feeling that in your portfolio, Nick? Not feeling it. Well, feeling it, I see it reflected, but I don't be, feel like it's going to be that uh, in the coming weeks here. I think it's uh, uh, another of your uh, monthly sell-offs. Speaking of the uh, broader market, I am now on the, on the resource side of things, specifically on the gold. It certainly hasn't uh, been as good. Feeling that a bit more, um, uh, we can talk about all that and, and why I'm content to just hold those uh, gold holdings uh, like one would hold a crypto perhaps. And uh, we can also talk about why this was uh, another yawner, quote unquote, uh, sell off in the market, uh, wherever you want to go. Let's let's start with gold. You know, we had a, a pretty pronounced sell off. We've had the U.S. dollar make a nice little run. I've always said I sound like a broken record to anybody that's followed my stuff that in order for gold to break out to new all time highs, new all time sustainable highs, I should qualify that it was going to have to do so alongside a rising dollar, at least initially. And you know what? Frankly, the last three times that it's tried um, the dollar's gone up and gold has gone down. The 10-year goes up and gold goes down. Um, we know the inverse correlation there. I do believe there has to be a break of that if we are to see new all-time highs in the gold space. I also believe, Nick, just like you and I were talking uranium months ago um, and, and the generational opportunity that it wasn't an if or it wasn't a win. It, was, it wasn't an if, it was a win. Um, the gold space is giving you a generational opportunity right now to buy quality, quality deposits um, and quality management teams for pennies on the dollar. And I urge everyone who thinks that they missed out on the first leg of uranium profits to reconsider that because I think there's more coming. And I'm really urging everybody to really fine tune um, their gold portfolio. I will be making several changes in the monthly service here in the next month or two to take advantage of this new market. And by new market, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's just really cheap out there right now, which makes it nonsensical to continue to gamble on you know, couple of million dollar explorers that yes, they could be lottery tickets, but when you have companies that are sitting on three, four, five million ounces trading at a discount to their peers today, hard to pass that up and keep the riskier companies in the portfolio while 
those are out there for the getting, right? Gold's definitely shaping up to be a, a contrarian play. You started talking about the, the dollar and rates and uh, both of those have been, I'm doing air quotes again, breaking out because if you uh, hit your sc scrolly wheel on either of those charts and, and zoom out a little bit, you'll see neither of them, uh, the U.S. 10-year yield or the uh, dollar as evidenced by the DXY indexes, uh, back to you know where they were last time. If I'm looking at uh, the dollar specifically um, at a chart, it's just above 94, you know, mm -hmm. the last time. Uh, it tried to break out in September, call it, yeah, like last last fall. It was right to the same level. And so um, if it fails here, getting a bit technical, you'll have like a, a inverse head and shoulders. And similar with uh, uh, bond yields, right? It's sort of uh, just noise in, in uh, the background right now. I think you had a historically uh, choppy September, which everyone knew about. You got people <laughs> coming back from Labor Day, doing a little bit of uh, rotation. And, and as you said at the beginning, we've got not only the end of the month, but uh, the end of the quarter. Uh, and so um, last week, and you made a good point about going up the value chain. We sort of were talking about this last week. We mm -hmm. said that uh, gold was in a timeout. I told you I had been uh, buying Kinross and had gone even further up the thing, looking, you know, at basically the biggest of the biggest. And I wasn't the only one, which I'll get to in a second. Mm. Um, mm. Looking at like Franco, etc. And then I tweeted this week. Um, you know, Newmont with the recent price drop is yielding over 4%. Um, that's like a very high quality dividend yield. And so uh, all those are, are things to uh, look at buying. And then um, a couple of things, I guess, uh, more to touch on on, on gold is um, it's simply out of favor. Um, we know that the M&A has to come. We know that the majors and the mid-tiers have to replenish their reserves. Um, but even that sort of M&A boom is down the road because it seems right now they're concerned with, you know, making themselves bigger, I guess, you know, mm. to get larger balance sheets to make the acquisitions that they know are going to have to come. Uh, of course, we saw the, um, you know, the Barrick Rangold and the, um, the Newmont mergers uh, a year or two ago. And, and here we come into uh, this week and uh, what happens? You had uh, Agnico Ego making a move on uh, Kirkland. I don't know if it's making a move. They, they're calling it a, a quote-unquote merger of Merger of equals. Of equals. But, <laughs> but neither, no premium assigned and both stocks down on the news, Just um, which just showed me utter lack of appetite for gold stocks right now, which uh, to your point is uh, is contrarian as it gets. As contrarian as it gets is correct. And with that being said, there are still lots of ways to make money in this market. You've played the energy trade beautifully. Do you want to chat about that? I know you wrote about it earlier this week. Yeah, I'd love to talk about energy. It's the only sector of the market that's up over the past week. Uh, it continues to uh, go up as evidenced by multiple, multiple commodities. You had Brent crude hitting $80 this week. A natural gas shooting up over $6, up from uh, $3 uh, less than a year ago. And um, it's just uh, more of the same, right? You're almost getting tired of taking victory laps about being right about inflation, except that uh, we continue to profit from it. So it's hard to stop talking about. <laughs> um, 
you know, we were in XLE starting in November and rode that all spring and then rotated into XOP, which includes the developers, not only of oil, but uh, of gas, which I just told you spiked to over uh, $6. And so um, that's uh, at a very fundamental level, right? That's like a big S and uh, S and P sector. And, and, and those, and, and those prices, uh, I think are going to continue to inflate. Um, it's literally a commodity melt up right now. Um, you know, I think it was Bloomberg this week was writing about aluminum prices, which we've mm. cited on this, <laughs> we've, we've cited on this podcast before. Right. And, and so, I don't even have it, a Bloomberg terminal and we knew. And they were saying that Bloomberg was an energy. It's, an, it's because energy is inflating. That's why aluminum is going up. Like all these things have a reason, which we've always told you, right? Uh, the coffee was the weather in Brazil. And now, uh, you know, the cotton and the cocoa and uh, the other food inputs, OJ and, and pigs are because of the uh, weather in Brazil. And, you know, there's these shipping things and, um, you know, supply chain constraints. And it's like, yeah, that's all compounding it. Um, but you're all making excuses because you were wrong about inflation. The ultimate reason is because there's more dollars uh, chasing these goods. It's as cut and dried in that. And specifically in the uh, energy thing, um, you know, that's a long term, large trend that's not going anywhere. Um, even before the electrification of everything, one of my big trends was buy it if it burns. Right. Like mm. set seven to eight billion people aren't consuming uh, any less electricity and uh, something else I mentioned uh, the other week, like uh, how do you think you make uh, steel, for example, or how do you think you power like a, a, a smelter, for example? And so um, anyway, uh, the energy trade has uh, been a, a very good one. And um, I guess just to put a, a cap on it, we've also been doing the, the star gas thing here, which I continue to be excited about in the uh, fourth quarter, you would have missed out on that by uh, the time you hear this. But um, energy has been uh, one of the best performing sectors of the a year. And, and, and we've been on it, like you say, the whole time. Yeah, well played, sir. Take a victory lap on that front. Energy is the one space in the resource space that I don't feel qualified uh, to dabble in just because it's not something I have a very, very strong background in. So great work there for subscribers. Um, last week we talked, you know, about some opportunities in the market. We told you Patriot Battery Metals was likely due for a bounce. That was up some 35% this week and looks like it's headed higher. Aldebaran Resources up 18, 19% today. It's near 52 week highs. It's drilling a high grade target that John Black, the CEO, describes as a potential game changer. Mind you, this is a company that's already had that, that already has a massive resource, copper gold resource. Looks like that's going to get a lot bigger and in a hurry. It's now contracting four drill rigs to the property drilling starts any day now excited about that so look whether whether it's 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 copper gold stocks or energy stocks or you name it battery metal stocks there are ways to make money in this market and as you do it's going to be important to trim some of those profits and rotate into the stuff that's not getting any love and man there's a lot of stuff not getting any love that deserves it for sure. Um, I mean, you know, that's uh, what you and I are looking at uh, week in and uh, week out. And uh, I've got an issue here to write today. I might uh, 
take a swing at uh, one of those things. We'll have to wait and see. There you go. I think, uh, you know, a perfect way to kind of close out the quarter in the bro- broader indices is Bed Bath & Beyond diving more than 20% trading like a junior, right? And it's like, who could have not seen this coming? Uh, there's supply chain issues. There's labor shortages. They can't get the stuff to the store that they need. Um, and they can't get people in the store to put the stuff away. So not really a big shocker there. But again, just like you said, a lot of people have been on team transitory and a lot of people have lost a lot of money doing so. Um, I never take uh, pleasure in seeing people lose money. I want everyone uh, to have upward mobility and make money. But at the end of the day, that was not a call that was hard to make. The inflation is real. And, you know, we're starting to have the conversation now is uh, uh, about transitory, meaning, you know, but there's no timeline for transitory. Get the fuck out of here with that. You missed the call. You lost money. It is what it is. Pivot and get to it, right? Exactly right. And you got the Federal Reserve chairman up there still telling you there uh, is no inflation or um, what was another fun one I saw this week? Oh, the banks want you to believe there's no inflation like because they don't want you to be scared about the market. So I got an email from Schwab this week and it was a diagram of a chicken. <laughs> and it was how basically every part of the chicken costed more. The wing cost more, the leg cost more, the breast cost more, the thigh cost more, like a lot more. But the whole chicken doesn't cost more. And so that's why there's no inflation. And I had a great chuckle. I mean, like, that's what kind of justification <laughs> is that, right? You're paying, you're paying more for every single part of the chicken. I mean, what does the, the, the American family buy more of, whole chickens or individual pieces of chicken? I mean, come on. You should have sent them the last episode telling them what's in that chicken, that every chicken is diseased. It's calisthenics. I mean, it's really, <laughs> it's really, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Your white striped chicken from your industrial processing. Um, yeah. And I think people are seeing it more and more. You know, we had a really great episode last week about, uh, you know, watch me whip for my nanny about how the new administration is the same as the old administration. And um, I know you had debt ceiling on the on the list, and it's a pretty good segue because, you know, even the media is on board with like the debt ceiling thing. Like they try to make it a thing. Right. And it's been going on now for and it fits perfectly into the generational turning mm. for like 20 uh, some years. Right. When Mr. Gingrich started doing that dumb shit back in the 90s because mm. he didn't want, uh, you know, Clinton to. Or he wanted to he wanted to cut uh, uh, Social Security and Clinton didn't want to. And so he started with the debt ceiling bullshit and they've just been doing it ever since. Um, and it's just so dumb that everybody is starting to see through it. And that, I think, is part of the turning. I think that is part of this generation's coming of age. Uh, and it's part of um, the deinstitutionalization, right, where people are realizing I always post that. Uh, cartoon about the the march of tyranny, right? Like next time I'll vote Democrat, like next time I'll vote Republican. It's like you get the same shit under the uh, administrations, no matter which party is in charge. And we've seen that now for over literally uh, two decades with this debt ceiling thing, where it's just uh, uh, a trick. I mean, it's uh, all it is. It's never come to pass. There's always... uh, they averted the debt ceiling at the last minute. No <laughs> fucking shit. They've been doing it for 25 years. I mean, what do you expect me to? Like, they make fables about this. Like the boy who cried wolf and shit. Like it's so fucking dumb. And people are finally starting to, I think, realize it. Like no one, I think, was worked up about the debt ceiling this time except for uh, the people who needed it to be a story, right? The people floating the trillion dollar coin out there again. Did you read that one? <laughs> and that's a 10 year old idea in itself. And literally, I looked it up. We were talking about it in 20. 20- 2011. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's a bizarre world out there, everybody. Meanwhile, the boys in blue continue to run wild, right? Um, look, did you read the story about the the Columbus police officers that are with the police drug cartel unit, which were arrested in charge with distributing nearly eight kilos of fentanyl? Oh, that's a lot of fentanyl. I did not, but I would love to hear. That's a lot of fentanyl. And, and jokes aside, uh, we've both known, I think, people that, you know, have been exposed and, 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 and have lost their life. And I think everybody knows somebody that knows somebody that's passed away from overdoses. And a lot of the overdoses come from people not knowing that some asshole laced their coke or their heroin or even their weed now with fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And so for cops to be out here... Um, as part of the police drug cartel unit, um, distributing fentanyl into the community that they're supposed to protect and serve. I hope they put these motherfuckers under the jail if they are. So they were doing it illegally. It wasn't like a covert police operation. Like they were dealing drugs. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Look, one of the officers, Marco Marino, tried to recruit a confidential informant. You know how I feel about those because for exactly this reason, I think because there's zero accountability, because they're not on the budget, they're not on the payroll officially. There's no accountability as to how many of these people are running around, you know, creating crimes for creating crime's sake for whatever agenda uh, the FBI or the government or the cops or the CIA may have. I I, I, I am so against the confidential informant uh, thing and the way that we use that as a country here in the United States. So what, what this officer did is he went up to this confidential informant. And he said, look, I want you to sell drugs for me. And I promise you that you'll have protection from the drug cartel unit, which is the unit that I, Officer Marino, work in. Um, if, if any other government agency... It comes in and arrests you or tries to investigate, I promise I'll intervene. And so, you know, obviously there's there's a paper trail. Um, this, this cop Marino between March, April, May, August, and September of this year, he accepted 44000 in cash in exchange for protecting the transport of at least 27 kilograms of cocaine and seven and a half kilograms of fentanyl. So not only are they not arresting the people, um, and, and I, I'm not a war on drugs. I, I actually think it's one of the stupidest wars ever, right? I, I, I believe that drugs should be decriminalized and we should focus more on education. But that aside, this officer's job is to protect and serve the community and get the stuff off the streets. What you have are, I guess, another case of a bad apple, <laughs> Bad apples, um, a breach of trust, rogue cops out there literally dealing through confidential informants, the drugs in the community, they're supposed to be taken out. Mm. Was he arrested? He was arrested. He's been charged. Um, We'll see where it goes. I'll keep an eye on it. Two two officers were actually arrested. Um, Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, um, it's a slippery slope out there. That brings me to Austin. You know, Austin is looking to become a model of police reform. And there's a big debate here in town right now about how to best go about that. And so they've been cutting the budget. We have an all-time high in murders. Is it correlated? Is it not? I'm no expert. I'm not sure. I know we have more people in Austin than we ever have. So I would assume you would have, you know, more crimes. But now what we're doing is we are deferring the 911 calls and making it to where if there is a case of animal service, auto theft, burglary of residence, business or vehicle, 
crashes not requiring a tow, COVID-19 violations, a verbal disturbance, prostitution, suspicious people, vandalism or theft, all of that now you are being asked as a citizen to call 311. And so civilians, not officers, um, would be handling these calls, these cases. And so um, don't know whether I agree with it or not. I've, I've often said on this podcast, I want to make sure my taxpayer dollars are being used efficiently and effectively. I don't want you bothering the kid with a dime bag. Um, you know, I, I want you to go and find the child sex traffickers, right? I don't want you to be harassing, you know, the group of kids that, you know, maybe are having a drink and shouldn't be having a drink. Um, I want you to go get the fucking people that are giving the alcohol to those kids. And I want you to go get the rapists in the community and, and, and the people that pose real threats to our community. Um, not the stuff that just makes it to where you have paperwork to do and you're busy for busy sake and you pat yourself on the back because you got some kids off the street. So we'll see how this plays out. It's, um, it's interesting to me. It's, it's an interesting experiment. Um, yeah. Any, any thoughts on that, Nick? Have you seen this work in other places? You lived in Baltimore for quite some time. Is it because of a, uh, a lack of services that they're doing this or is it because it part of the reform that they want, they want, um, non people with a gun to respond to nonviolent things? They want non people with a gun to respond right. to nonviolent things, but it is also tied to a police budget, which was cut down by one third. And so, you know, Austin police are saying that, you know, they're 300 police officers short of where, you know, it was when the budget, before the budget was cut. And so this is their kind of way of responding to trying to efficiently allocate the capital that they do have and the budget that they do have. So, yeah, no, look. Yeah, go ahead. I, th I think it'll be a good test. I mean, that's, you know, one of the solutions that uh, at least, you know, I'm on board with is that more sort of community policing, dispatching as social workers to uh, certain situations instead of armed police officers that um, have been shown to, to escalate situations in the past that can end in, in deadly force. And so um, I think it's an interesting test and I'd be uh, eager to see the results you asked about Baltimore. I mean, they didn't have the resources to, <laughs> to you know, do anything about 311 or anything like that. I mean, you know, you call for something simple and you might not even get somebody to respond at all. And so um, Austin's budget is probably a, a little bit uh, better and the tax base is probably a, a little bit more robust. You know, the hiring shortage is one thing, but I think the um, and it's just me thinking that, that this might be a good experiment. I actually agree with you. Um, I talked, I think last week or the week before about the incredible job that they've done with cleaning up the homelessness, um, at the very least in downtown Austin, right? Which is the, the, the most tourist centric part of Austin. I mean, uh, two months ago you drove down and it was tent city everywhere, and now you drive down and that that is done. Now, we could have a good debate and, you know, we could have that another day, I guess. I'm sure people feel differently than I do here in, in, in the city. But we could have a good debate about where those people were put and where they went and the money that was allocated um, to get that done. But the bottom line is the city got that done. And so, um, look, I look at places like San Francisco where you and I have gone to conferences before and meetings and you know, going to Starbucks can be an adventure, right? Even if sure. the Starbucks is right up the street. 
I'm glad to see them clean it up here in Austin. And I hope that this pivot towards allocating capital to real emergencies, um, nonviolent uh, situations to civilians. I, 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 I think it's a good move. I'm curious to see what the training for those civilians will be. It's a good segue, actually, to talk about the homeless uh, here in Spokane. As uh, I've told you, it's a real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of home. I mean, I think in cities uh, across the country, which is where I'm about to go with this, you know, um, uh, you see these stories every day about how first time homeowners can't afford a house, right? Mm. Because they can't co- come up with the scratch for the down payment and they're facing people buying second, third, fourth, fifth homes who, who got that scratch for the down payment. Um, and that speaks to the the wealth inequality and, and how it's worsening. And that, of course, is a function of uh, your government's uh, policies and the Federal Reserve's policies, which I think we need to continue uh, hammering home so people start to uh, realize that. But so in a very real way, you've got uh, this trend of the disappearance of the middle class continuing and people getting uh, squeezed out of their homes, uh, which was already a trend, but now even more and more. Um, uh, as rents start to rise uh, and as inflation takes hold um, and as there's less or fewer people in um, the workforce. And so a couple of things I just wanted to mention. This is a theme uh, I was writing about, I think, two or three months ago. It's another one that you can profit from, right? Because you can own REITs uh, that own low-income housing or that own RV parks, for example. And so I wanted to talk about RVs for one second because... Uh, it's a brilliant tale of two Americas. Hmm. I'm, big on the, I'm big on those, right? So yep. um, everyone's buying RVs, right? Like that has money because they're traveling in RVs and RV parks are full and the rates to park your RV is going up. I'm talking about the nice ones. With, like, yeah. The bump outsides, the, the meet the Fockers RV, right? That big yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the she can so, bring her friends RV. <laughs> that's exactly right. Where you're towing the Jeep and your boat behind it. Like that's that right. Now, right. Yeah. And so, um, but a lot of people now are forced to live in RVs. And so um, as a result of the wealth inequality, that again is the policy of the U.S. government and the Federal Reserve. And so um, just an anecdote, um, but one that uh, will uh, evolve much broader than an anecdote. Um, I read this site next door from time to time because I like to see what uh, people are bitching about in the community. And um, one of the hottest topics, the one that I see gets the most replies is about um, the RV parking ordinances in the city. You can't Mm. have an RV parked in the same spot overnight. Um, And so there's lots of people living in RVs in the city, right? Uh, Which I just went over. And uh, the law says you basically just got to move it one parking spot. And... um, you're good. And so um, I saw next door, this, this somebody had posted today that um, their parents um, were forced out of their home. Their landlord uh, sold the building and the, the new owner, um, I don't know what happened, either raised the rent or something, that they were forced to leave and had to live in the RV and they were parking it outside this gentleman's home. And oh my goodness, Gerardo, these hundreds of comments that came out of me, I mean, it turned into... Uh, any comment section battle that you would read lately about wealth inequality, you know, people talking about, you know, that sucks, but I don't want this fucking RV in my neighborhood. And then, um, you know, then all the way to the most compassionate part of the the spectrum where, um, oh, you know, it'll be all right. They can leave their RV there for uh, a couple of days, but you've got people really uh, worked up about this, right? Spending time 
uh, being mad about RVs uh, <laughs> parked in their uh, community and things like that. And again, I would say that um, that's like the the wrong angle, right? You know, and so I'm speaking from someone who, you know, drives 25 minutes outside the city every day uh-huh. to his 40 acres where I, I don't see it. I can't even see my neighbor, right? And so, uh, but my point here, uh, I guess, is, is a couple of fold, right? Um, one, if you can see through that or trying to see through that or and they're educating yourself and learning, um, like I said previously, you can invest in, in, in trends like that. Right. And get yourself on the right side of that uh, uh, wealth inequality uh, because of these people, like I just explained, who are forced to live in their RVs. And at the same time, uh, you can look at that and just see it as a, a clear cut example of um, a symptom of, of wealth inequality. Mm. And, and no one wants to, to have that. It, it, let me not say no one. I think. We're edging towards having that debate about why there's this two-tiered culture of RVs and why this uh, couple, this elderly couple, has to live outside their son's home in an RV, um, as opposed to um, fighting about why this RV is parked in my neighborhood. Right? I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's a it's a it's a different level of thinking, and it ties back into that a generational thing and people culture, society having a different view towards things. And so I think it's been very materialistic for the past 20 years, right? Boomers and their McMansions and uh, brands. And I think we're, we're getting to the, uh, the end of that cycle, right? The end of that turning, the end of that generation where um, you're going to see people uh, philosophize or, or think more deeply about the root cause of that RV stuff instead of being caught up in the uh, infighting and maybe I'm just being a little bit too idealistic. Uh, but anyway, until all those people wise up, I'll just be over here owning low income REITs. No, look, I, uh, that was really well said. I, I, I've often said that I am actually on your side of it cautiously, right? But I'm cautiously optimistic that this youth is, is, is going to come in and, and, and kick the old guard out and completely reform the system in all aspects, whether we're talking the financial system, the way we approach social issues, the way we approach sex and sexuality in this country and the world, the way we approach prison reform and, 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 you know, everything that goes into that. Um, it's going to take some time and we, we, we know we, we talk about it often, you know, turnings are not smooth rides, right? There's a lot of volatility, um, that's attached to that. So prepare yourself for that. But yeah, look, we can't keep going this way. We can't be $28 trillion in debt. Um, people not being able to look and identify upward mobility, um, very few, uh, people are able to look and say, oh, I know how to take a hundred thousand and turn it into a million and turn it into 10 million. For most people, just coming up with that hundred thousand is unreachable. It's not something exactly. That, it's yeah. like the down payment for the house. It, just like the down payment for the house. You got it. So great. Real estate is up 45% year on year here in Austin. Well, guess what? If you didn't have a house, sucks for you right? <laughs> it just got a whole lot harder. Oh, and you missed the run up. And so that can't continue. And again, I'm speaking from someone that's benefited from, you know, the bullshit that goes on with the central bankers, because I saw the trend and identified it early and and was fortunate enough to at a very early age in my early twenties, begin buying real estate and, and selling real estate and 
holding real estate as an investment. Um, but look, at the end of the day, again, there's going to be a, 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 a day of reckoning that isn't going to be limited to a day. And so, yeah. <laughs> well, eventually they're going to start asking sort of, and it's, it's not quite Occupy Wall Street stuff because it's, it's much bigger and prouder than that. But Correct. soon these people are going to start asking, you know, why can we buy all these billions of dollars of bonds every month, but we can't put that couple um, up in some sort of shelter, right? And that's where you get into this sort of universal basic income and things like that, which uh, was an idea that we've talked about a little bit, but, and I've said in the past has grown on me over time, right? Because, you know, as a, as a libertarian, the UBI doesn't initially smack you as a good idea, but then when you reflect on it, I would certainly have, uh, air quotes again, you know, printed money or QE money or funny money, you know, go towards building homeless shelters than I would towards buying bond via BlackRock, 100%. Absolutely. And again, you know, not, not, not to keep pounding our chest, but we were talking about BlackRock and hedge funds coming in and doing it here in Austin months ago, I think six, seven, eight months ago, before anybody was talking about inflation, before anybody was talking about 44% year-on-year price appreciation. What do you think drives that, people? It's capital. And where are the pools of capital, the real ones, the large ones? You know, uh, where are they concentrated? Well, we know where it's coming from and we know where it's going. And it's not a coincidence that it's going into real things and real assets, which again, just to bring it full circle, that's exactly why I believe there's a generational opportunity in commodities, in gold. Silver's looking beautiful right now after breaking down this week in a very ugly manner. Um, go to a store and try to buy, you know, an ounce of silver for 22 an ounce and see if you're able to do so. It's 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 not going to happen. And so, no, look, a lot of opportunities, a lot of ways to make money, a lot of things I'm excited about here for Q4 and um, yeah, I actually still think we close the year with gold above 2000 bucks, believe it or not. I think this is a good setup for it. We'll see. Everybody has opinions. Nobody really knows. But I, I, I suspect we're getting the energy to clean out a lot of the BS that's been in the market. Silver's $31, the cheapest coin I can buy on that next right now. There you go. Again, right? Which, uh, which one do you believe, right? 22 on the spot price when I open my Kitco app or, or what's going on, you know, on the floor, in the stores, the physical stuff. Sooner or later, so, so one of those two has to be wrong, right? That's what I mean about, like, back to Mr. Dines. Mm. Look and don't, and don't think, right? Look at the housing prices going up. Look at the real prices of metals. Look at the real uh, prices of food. I think more people are starting to look. Look at the border agents whipping people from their horses, right? Look, look, look. Yeah, and don't argue about whether it's a whip or a rain, dumbasses. Right, right. <laughs> what are you watching in the markets this week, Nick? Oh, Gerardo, um, I got to talk about uranium still because, um, you know, I, I, think, I still think there's a, a great buying opportunity uh, there. I think there's a lot still to unfold. I'll give you the same answer I gave last week as far as earnings season as well because I think we get into October and these – uh, volatile days of, of late September are going to fade fast once uh, earnings start coming out. So uh, looking forward to that and uh, getting here into the end of the year. should also mention uh, New Orleans because I'm about to mm. book my uh, flight for that. I don't know if you have yet, but I, I got to get that done. And so I know that's not a uh, market in the next week, but it is uh, a conference we'll be going to in the, in the next couple of weeks here. And if you have any interest in doing that, you should uh, 
uh, get that done because you're going to run out of time. Absolutely. I would love to see people out there. Would love to shake your hand if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, Nick will be presenting. I'll be pre- presenting alongside with him. I believe Nick will also be on a panel. Um, and, and look, it's a top-notch conference. It's my favorite conference of the year. It was the very first one that I ever went to when I was on the retail side of it. I'm just trying to learn the business, and and you know, I was able to network and meet you know some pretty incredible people that have helped me out along the way, including Mr. Hodge. So. No, look, exciting times, excited to get out there, excited to see people in person again, and excited for Q4. I've been waiting for October all year long. Um, I think it's going to be a, a great month and a great fourth quarter, and I would really encourage everyone again, top off that list of gold explorers and developers because it's not going to get much cheaper, though I do think we're in for another couple of weeks, maybe four weeks of, of, of bumpiness with people front-running tax loss selling, right, which is coming. For sure. And uh, not just tax law selling for uh, tax law selling sake, but uh, tax bills coming due in October for those who delay as well. So um, I delay (laughs) as one should. I will delay as long as they let me delay and be happy to pay the extra little percent because I know I can do more with it than they can. (laughs) That's, That's exactly right. That's it. That's all I got, Mr. Hodge. Anything else you want to add? No, I think that we're reaching a bit of uh, peak anger in uh, society and with this pandemic, which to me says it's time to uh, revert back a little bit. So I think we'll be in in calmer times in uh, months uh, ahead and um, the deaths and the the daily infection case rates are, are going uh, down from this uh, Delta thing. And there was some positive news on, on treatments this week. And so um, just looking forward to, to getting over this Delta variant and, um, and heading into the, the holiday and fourth quarter. Absolutely. Agreed. Um, a lot to do. I, I'll say this. I mentioned being on the other side of you know the business on the, on the retail side of it when I went to my first conference in New Orleans and you know really really started to get involved in the resource space. Um, free information at that time was gold, right? Because I've always loved absorbing information, and the more the more I, I, I exposed myself to, the more I could refine my process, and 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 that's something that to this day I still do. Uh, Mr. Hodge and I, I mean, again, not to pound our chest too much. I've said that three or, three or four times today, but we've been kicking out content left and right. Um, I encourage everyone, if you're not a member of one of the paid publications, if it's outside your budget, if it's not something that's just feasible for you right now, take advantage of the free content that you can get at resourcestockdigest.com and dailyprofitcycle.com because I find myself still going to those sites and I co-own them along with Mr. Nick Hodge. There's a lot of great content on Resource Stock Digest that's, you know, we're able to bring it to you uh, because sponsors help 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 pay for us to keep that going. And then on the Daily Profit Cycle side, that's, you know, true independent research and insights from Mr. Hodge, myself, um, Ryan, Mike, you know, the whole team. A lot of free information there to absorb Go pick a sector, go pick a commodity you like, go pick a couple of companies and and go learn some things. There's a lot of money to be made and that's a great way to introduce yourself to some of these names. Perfect. All I got, I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 137 of Bizarro World. Go be nice to everybody, each of you. 
See you in October.